A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show today. I have to say, Storm Jocelyn is a pussycat compared to Isha. Sure, it's a bit of a windy day out there. Nothing else, to be honest with you. What were they on about? Ah, oh, there was a bit of too much uh, scaremongering about the uh, the weather today uh, when you compare it to what happened uh, with Isha. Isha was certainly a storm to be reckoned with, but Jocelyn, not at all. A uh, nice blustery day out there with a little bit of uh, moisture as well. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Lots coming up over the next couple of hours. We've another January caller with a hairy moment story for us. Have you got one? Just reminding you again, I've got to give away this thousand euro before next Wednesday. I have to. That's what I have. A thousand euro cash to give away if you tell me your hairy story on late lunch and they're coming in by the new time now I have to say the date is getting close time is of the essence 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text if you'd like to uh, tell us that you have one of these stories let us know and we'll get back in touch with you I promise our two on Tuesday artist of the week of course is Barry Manilow all this week and we'll also be talking to Emma Walker on National Grief Awareness Week. But my first guest today on the show is a very interesting woman. She's been in the fashion business and uh, retail and styling uh, ladies for over 25 years. Vanity Fair in Newbridge, I'm sure you've visited on many occasions. Mad Hatter in Dublin. She's a milliner to boot and she's back even studying again. Delighted to say hello on late lunch this afternoon to Nessa Cronin. Hi, Nessa. Hi, how are you, Jerry? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for joining me on the show this afternoon. Well, 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 when I read about you and what you're after, it's very interesting. The amount of clothes you say I find in <laughs> Irish women's wardrobes with the tags still on them shocks me. I know. It is shocking. It is shocking. <laughs> so, but look, I totally understand it as well because clothing and shopping and sizing and style and cut and shape and body shape, it's all like... We should be educated in this in school, I think. You know, it is a minefield. So there's a lot of mistakes being made when people shop and not everybody always returns things. So I'm here to help. You are indeed. And I love stylesolutions.ie, which is your new business, what it's all about. So look at, you're going to do the shopping. Is that it for women? Yeah, basically. So I started um, when I unfortunately lost my beautiful boutique in Newbridge Vanity Fair, in 2020, I just mm. could not have survived COVID. Uh, it nearly broke my heart. But my, I have a really loyal, good customer base, and they really rallied behind me on Instagram. And 
got me back up on my feet a lot quicker than I would have got up, I would say, without them. But I started doing kind of Zoom wardrobe clear-outs with people. Then as the world opened up, I started doing kind of personal shopping trips. So they would have been long-term customers of mine in Vantisair. And they were like, I don't know where to go, Nessa. Where will I go to shop and stuff? So I started doing personal shopping trips with women. I also started uh, the Try-On Shop, which is my online uh, clothing store, selling very kind of easy affordable casual pieces and we started doing pop-up shops with the try-on and one of the things that was fascinating for me was that women would come to our pop-up day and they'd say so, so at this point now I wasn't doing occasion wear and Fair was very much about occasion wear but the try-on was all about easy comfy kind of casuals and they'd come to me really for help you know yes. because the help isn't necessarily there in the high street and you know, women like it's very overwhelming when you walk into a shop and you're just looking for a few nice bits to see through the season ahead. And a lot of women, now some women are avid shoppers and love it and love nothing more than rooting through the rails. But a lot of women get overwhelmed and kind of intimidated. You have to bring in different sizes into the fitting room. It's all, you know, it's a lot of hard work. But I was kind of thinking, like, there's a, there's a thing in this, you know. Somebody needs to find a solution. So in into my head popped style solutions. So the idea is that myself and Amy, who is my right-hand woman and works with me, um, we go through all the high street shops. So at the beginning of every month, we will look through all their websites, we'll go through all the shops, we'll head off to the shopping centres, we have great fun, and we pick what we believe are good buys for people to have in their wardrobes from the selection that's out there. So we narrow it down and we present it to you on the 9th of every month in like a shoppable website, our own private website. So it's a members-only website. So you're brought directly then to either Marks and Spencer's website or Dunn's website or whatever we have chosen the clothes from. And I have years of experience in this industry. So I know clothes. I love clothes. I know clothes. These aren't recommendations of necessarily like what I would wear, you know, because I think a lot of the influencing world is about what I would, you know, it's, it's about you know, almost imitating or copying my style. I'm not interested in that. I know my customer. So I know how to buy clothes for her, you know. So it's just a little bit of health and education where I do the groundwork for you, saving you lots of time. Once a month, you're presented with the high street edit. And then, that's not all you get. Then we do, on the 19th of every month, we do something called deep dives. So this month, for example, we... Sorry, I'm out of breath here because I was running upstairs to take this call. Um, the deep dive this month we did on like styling tips and tricks. So using what's in your wardrobe, thinking about different ways to wear it, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And then at the end of every month, we go to a boutique. So I'm up in a boutique at the moment. And on the 29th, uh, their little backstory and the wonderful business that they have will be going live as well. Why, my oh my, when you say all you do there and all you offer, there's no excuse for not getting the clothes that suit you, that fit you, and you're opening up a whole new world of choice as well to people. Uh, The other thing I I, I copped about you that that you talk about is uh, the common problem that women have is buying the wrong size. Just because it fits your body doesn't mean that it's the right size for you. What do you mean by that? Well, I think size is such a, such a kind of a touchy topic with women. No woman likes, well, unless she's at ease and, and understands her body well, 
no woman likes going up a size in clothing. And yes, it, it generally, if you need to go up a size in clothing, it has got nothing to do with you or your body. I used to say to customers all the time, you have not been on weight in my fitting room, you know. Um, it's about understanding the clothes. And I do understand the clothes. So I can help you understand them for your body, you know, and your body shape. Because lots of women are very narrow in the hip. Lots of women are very wide in the hip. Lots of women's waists have thickened over the years, et cetera, et cetera. So trying to find, you know, trying to, anyone who has one size in their wardrobe, I personally think that that's not possible. Every woman really has kind of two to three sizes, four sizes in their wardrobe if the clothes are fitting them properly. Because different cuts will skim over the bodies differently, you know. Yes. So... Sorry, <laughs> go on. So as you say, that you could have, say, for example, two size, 12 women, for example, uh, they could be, you know, uh, mid five foot, between five foot and six foot. The same outfit fits those two differently. Absolutely, because again, the body is, so it's not just all about body shape or your size or your height. Um, the body is broken up into different proportions. So again, I have an online course. Now, this isn't actually part of Style Solutions. I have an online course called Find Your Stripes. But, but you can find out about that on the stylesolutions.ie website as well. Uh, and it teaches women to kind of understand their body and identify their body shape and proportions. And then you're going to understand why, you know, if, let's say I'm 5'7 and I'm a size 12 to 14, my sister is the same height and size as me. But things fit us very differently. So things will be longer on her, even though... We're the same height, right? Yes. Things would be longer on her because she's longer in the leg than I am. I'm longer in the torso. Mm. So things appear shorter on my leg. You know, yes. little things like that. We, we don't really think about our bodies like that. So that's what the Find Your Strikes course is all about. So it's the end of tags and clothes and the wardrobes uh, with <laughs> you on board for sure. Would that be to Absolutely. do as well with, do women, like I'm, I'm asking you as a man, go out, say, and looking for a, a garment, will they buy maybe a couple of different sizes and that's why there's some of them still in the wardrobe with tags? Yeah, definitely. I, I've come across that. I've heard that a lot from customers that when they're shopping online, not so much in-store, but online, definitely women. And I know it for myself from selling online. Women will buy two sizes if they're not sure, you know. If and mm. most women have a body that is two sizes, you know. Some women have a body that can be a size twelve on top and a size eighteen on the bottom, or vice versa. Yes. You know, so it's it's hard then to, to kind of pick things. So a lot of women do end up buying two sizes online in particular, and sometimes those other sizes don't get sent back. So I'm here to size solutions. will give you like. Styling, you know, sizing advice on if yeah. something is true to size or what kind of size the XL goes up to. Because, again, that's another thing. Things come in small, medium, large XL. Who knows what an XL is? It depends on the brand. Mm. You know, an XL can be a size 20. An XL can be a size 14, yeah. depending on the brand. So mm. it, it helps women understand what that actually translates to into UK sizing. So when you uh, do your part of the bargain, uh, the ladies then can go to the store in particular with confidence and know exactly what they're looking for. Go in and try on them themselves and, and yeah. make sure it's right for them. But come back to the online because this is something that I, a bugbear of mine, I know mm-hmm. so many people, as you say there, they order online in a certain size that they believe out it comes, doesn't fit, back it goes. Another one comes mm-hmm. out, perhaps it doesn't fit, back it goes as well. Isn't that a shocking waste? It is. Absolutely. It is a shocking waste, yeah. And I mean, clothes clothes are so, look, they can be so easy if you learn how to get it right. 
but they can be so complicated because, like I said, not everybody is the same. So it's not like sizes, clothes are categorized into sizes, but sizes, like, like I said, you can have 50 size 16 women in a room and they're all going to look different. You know, and not everything's going to fit in the same. So it's actually kind of unrealistic to expect clothes that are off the peg to fit you perfectly. Mm. And that doesn't mean that they're sized wrong necessarily. It just means that they don't fit your body correctly. But yeah. they will fit somebody else's of the same size, sure, you know. Sure. So it's about understanding that. Uh, and never blaming yourself. Yeah, because, you know, the hourglass shape, oh, the one that's dreamed of, there ain't too many hourglass shapes, are the percentage-wise. There aren't too many. There's only 8% um, of women, apparently. I, I, can't, I must find my source for that, but I did find that mentioned a lot online in articles. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're led to believe that we all have to be this perfect hourglass shape, and it's totally unattainable for, for most women, you know. If you have a pear-shaped body or a strawberry-shaped body, you're never going to be in our class. Now, yeah. clothes, you can use clothes to help trick the eye, you know. Um, and again, that's taught in my Find Your Stripes course. Yes, yes. So you are bringing all your experience of those uh, wonderful shops that you had. And of course, I remember you. I remember you in the Curra race course, weren't you? I did. I was there for, I think, eight or nine years I had a shop at the Curra race course. Yeah. Just after the parade ring doing my hats. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's right. And you're you're back at the, the hats now as well. And is it true? You are back studying, are you? Yes, at the Grafton yeah, Academy. Well, I am. I have. I've attended there um, two summers ago. I attended there two month long intensive course, and I was going then one day a week uh, during term time because obviously I'm trying to run a business as well, so I can't go back studying full time. Uh, but I haven't there for the last couple of months because I've been so busy trying to get this up and running and off the ground. But I will be going back now in February, definitely. Yeah, terrific. Because go on. I suppose the ultimate goal is uh, to to launch my own label at some stage. Ah, great. That's the plan. (laughs) You needn't be whispering. We hear you. We hear you, even though you're whispering, I keep that down a bit. We know what your aim is at the end day. But look at all the years' experience you have in this, what you're doing at the moment, the hats and everything, bringing all that together. Sure, you're a model for this. My money's on you. I'm an investor. (laughs) I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) You wear, of course. Yes, you wear. I like what you do. I spotted and I thought, God, this is interesting. You know what I mean? That somebody that cuts through all the, uh, the, yeah. the, the like nonsense. Somebody, somebody yeah. messaged me after the first High Street edit and I got hundreds of messages from women delighted with it. I, I personally actually was even quite taken aback by how well it was received. But I got one message and she said, Nessa, well done, you've just cut through all the noise. Yes. And that's exactly what I want to do. I want to help women just, you know, focus in on, do I need this? Is this, you know, if I buy this, is it going to wash well? Is it going to be a ball of creases if I sit in the car for an hour? Is it, you know, how is this going to suit my wardrobe and fit into my life, you know? Yes. So I want to recommend those kind of products so that our wardrobes are filled with joy for yes. every woman. And I take it that an audit of the wardrobe is a good thing to do as well, because you'll find those ones with labels on them and other stuff as well. You need to know what you have, don't you, before you exactly. go... Exactly, yeah. before you go shopping for new stuff. Yes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like the kitchen buying the 26 tins of beans and you only need really two <laughs> over the next month. It's the same with clothes, folks. Anyway, That's I good. love what you're doing. Thank you for joining me today, and I want to tell our listeners stylesolutions.ie Check this woman out. Nessa, thanks for joining me. 
Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Bye. That's Nessa Cronin there, founder of Style Solutions. She's really off to a flyer with that, I have to say. And she's onto something. She really, really is. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. Short sus back in a moment. You were probably in bed last night when it was on, were you? You go to bed early, don't you? You probably wouldn't stay up that late. How late? uh, Half ten. Oh, that's really late. Is that really late for you to go <laughs> yeah. to bed, is it? It is actually, yeah. <laughs> now, do you turn off the phone when you go to bed? Be honest with me. I do. I normally All be right. asleep yeah. at half time. Yeah. Good. You are. No, I have to give you that. You're You're very, you know, you, you do go at the same time. We we're talking about this yesterday on the show. You do go for your sleep at the same time. I'm getting earlier, I have to say mm-hmm. myself, but I stayed up last night to watch uh, Upfront with Katie Hannon. You know, the show that's replaced Claire Byrne. Yeah. I have to say, she's settling into it uh, nicely now, uh, so she is, and... Uh, uh, I particularly enjoyed it last night because they were talking about the um, immigration and you know all What's going on in people, Australia yes and, that, yeah. and all that type of thing and uh, I have to say I said it here last week on the show uh, look the multicultural and national element of Ireland is fantastic but I, I, I have to say turning over hotels and putting people out of work on that to accommodate is wrong in my opinion and shouldn't happen because we need our hotels to accommodate tourists and that as well. 20% I read this morning. You know, that's that's absolutely wrong. We're going to rip the heart out of our tourist industry with this type of thing. They should be beyond this. But anyway, getting back to last night, they had a very good panel but there was a, a professor from Galway University on, a young woman. She was brilliant. She was able to context it brilliantly what's happening. Matty McGrath was on the TD. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God is all I can say. What an awful show he put up because he spoke in Ross Cray last week and said we were being invaded and taken over. So when Katie Hannon put it to him, he wouldn't answer the question. It was a little nonsense he was talking about and was proven in the stats they had last night. But if you ever wanted to see a politician <laughs> in the ancient Was he modes, caught in the headlights? Oh my God. This is the type of politician that, you know what I mean? I just despair when I see the likes of him. It, he was just awful, absolutely, and it showed it showed him up for everything that's wrong with the man. He's a TD and he has been elected, and that's a dem- democratic thing, and that's understandable. He's got the vote, and that he was, oh my God, he was just cringeworthy, shocking last night, absolutely shocking. And I just wanted to say that today. If you want to look back at it on the player, if you didn't see it, have a look, make your mind up for yourself. But he is not the politician we need representing us. Anywhere in this country when I saw his performance last night, uh, it was just horrendous. But it outed him and others of his ilk for what they actually are. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. My next guest on Late Lunch this afternoon, I'm delighted to welcome her to the show because she is at the heart of matters in Europe. You see, she's European Affairs Correspondent for Euronews, originally from Atlumni in Navin. It's my pleasure to say hello to Maeve McMahon this afternoon. Hi, Maeve. Hi, good afternoon. Such a pleasure to be with you and getting homesick there listening to those ads about cream eggs and Cadbury cream legs. Looking forward to one of them very soon. <laughs> Do you not get them in Brussels? No. 
No, you don't. But there is a shop here. They do Irish um, goods and they do some Nordic goods. And you can get Barry's tea. Ah. So I'm sorted for my Barry's tea. But I haven't seen a cream egg here now for a while. So I look <laughs> forward to that very soon. <laughs> oh, Maeve, we'll have to look after that. It's the least we could do for you joining <laughs> us on the show today. Welcome to the show. I mentioned you're from Atlumni and Navin. Tell us a bit about yourself, Navin, and what happened from there, where you went to school, all that type of thing. Well, I'm born and bred from Navin, absolutely brought up in Navin, went to school in St. Oliver's and then in Loretto, just lived down the road from Loretto so could walk up and down, did transition year in Loretto, which I loved because it took me abroad. I could go on an exchange to Germany, which I guess opened my eyes to the world outside Navin. And from then on, I was like, need to get out of here. I need to see the rest of of Europe and the world and was really exposed as well to languages. I loved um, languages when I was at school. I loved Irish and I did Irish debating and stuff so I was yeah definitely someone who liked going to school um but liked having fun as well and um ended up then going to Trinity and doing my Erasmus over in Hamburg in Germany and then when I graduated I headed over to Spain to Valencia where I spent three years working for a web tv and still haven't gone home because after Spain then I kind of made my way ended up here in Brussels and that was in 2009 and much to my dad's dismay I still haven't come back to Ireland and I've pretty much made Brussels now my home. Ah, uh, listen, you're not that far away unless there's a storm Isha blowing when God knows where you oh. could end up. <laughs> yeah, I think in Navin they've been battered and bruised by that oh, storm. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. mum is mourning a beautiful tree, a stunning apple tree that she had in the garden that we all loved and she's devastated. Oh, I'm sure no. so many local people have lost trees and parts of their garden that they've missed and it's so upsetting it just puts you out doesn't it (laughs) it certainly does anyway weather reasonable you can get home in jig time from brussels (laughs) listen you mentioned there about your love of languages let me say this to listeners this wonderful woman speaks english irish spanish german and french my word that's some cv yeah yeah i mean and it was actually a battle to get speaking those languages in school because i remember I was one of the only ones who wanted to study French and German, and I had a brilliant um, German teacher, Mr. O'Donoghue, and Madame Ryan actually in and um, in in Loretto. And I remember fighting to have those languages because I remember people saying, "No, no, no, you, there'll be too much pressure on you when you do your orals. You shouldn't do languages." But I was like, "That's not my thing," or "That's my thing." Like maths is not my thing, science is not my thing, languages and communication—they're what I like. I like people. I love being with people. I like speaking languages. So um, I kind of pushed as well to do those, and now I'm actually working through all those languages because as you can imagine in Brussels French is one of the main languages here mm. so you speak French on a daily basis uh, Spanish I lived in Spain now I'm actually hosting a TV show in Spanish much to my own um, surprise as well it's never really something I'd signed up for and then German I did my Erasmus and now I'm married to a German so we have like three little kids who speak uh, French German and English which is quite incredible I'm very jealous that they oh, got it like it- from birth it's marvelous. When when you when you have that love and you learn one, is there a correlation between them? You know what I'm getting at. Is it easier mm. to take on others? It is. I mean, because if I go to Italy now on holidays, I find myself after two or three days, kind of like pretending that I speak Italian because you can almost <laughs> adapt your Spanish, and they're all very similar. So yes. like, and I feel like once you have even a little bit of language, you can kind of break that ice, and just like have a, some sort of a connection with somebody. And it's also, if you know a language, it's the culture, you understand those subtleties or you understand the background of someone, the politics, the history, where they're coming from. So it's great, actually, in my job when I meet people, the more languages you know, the more kind of 
I guess emotional intelligence and connection you can have with them. So no, it's it's incredible. It's really helped me a lot through my life. I love languages. And if I had more time now, I would actually study more. It would be great. Maybe I'll have to wait to retire. <laughs> Not at all. You're so woman, I have to say. But you know, it, it's appreciated more by uh, the Germans or the Spanish or the Italians when you converse with them in their own tongue. Is German the toughest of those we mentioned there? I guess, yeah, the grammar is tricky. The yeah. German grammar is tricky. And also the Germans are quite formal people. They use the formal version. So when you meet a stranger, you have to make sure that you're very formal. Spanish, totally opposite. They're very like, woo, like, you know, hola, que tal? Like, una cerveza, por favor. Like, they're really like loud and funny and informal. So I remember when I was learning Spanish, they were just delighted that I was like eager to learn and kind of pulling me in. And um, so it doesn't matter if you make mistakes because Spanish, I pretty much just picked up kind of on the trot. I never actually studied it, but yeah. they say my Spanish is fine. You know, it's all about like not being ashamed and just getting yourself out there and speaking the languages and not being embarrassed. Because I think in Ireland, sometimes we're a bit like, oh, I, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed. Um, but it's great. People love when you when you just try. Yeah, absolutely. I've always been meaning, especially we love Italy to learn Italian and I keep pushing it onto the long finger. But maybe someday like yourself, I will take it on and give it a go, you know, but that's anyway for another day. I just look at the people you have interviewed and this is only a, a small selection. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. The Secretary General of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, um, Ursula von der Leyen, and so on and so on it goes. You are right at the heart of the action. I am at the heart of the action, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I guess, Brussels, where I'm based here, it's kind of like a, a meeting point for so many of these important people. And we're so privileged. I'm so privileged that I get to meet them and sit down with them. And for me, to be honest, like speaking to Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, or speaking to a farmer or speaking to a refugee, for me as a journalist, it's just a pleasure. I love to speak to everyone. I love to speak to people from all walks of life, hear their stories, hear how they're getting on and what they're doing to fix a problem and bring in as many voices as possible. Um, but Brussels, of course, is a fantastic place to be, to have that access to power and have the opportunity to interview these people. And just last week, um, I was in Davos, you know, at the World Economic Forum. Yes. So that was fascinating to see uh, so many people from all across the globe walk around and walk around like in front of you. So you can just it's it's quite a fascinating meeting because you have so much access to people that are normally behind closed doors. Mm. This is probably a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You're in Davos. You're at the heart of all this. And I mentioned it many times here in the show is that the world I feel at this juncture in my life is probably in the greatest crisis ever between Ukraine, what's happening in the Middle East, the potential return of Trump in America and all those conflicts around the world. Do the leaders of the world, are these people, are they urgent about this? Are they trying to find solutions? It's like firefighting, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's constant firefighting. Like, I remember when I moved to Brussels, the first EU summit that I covered was all about climate change. They were actually already talking about that about 12 years ago. But then that kind of slipped down the agenda because then it was almost, it was the Greek debt crisis. Remember when Greece nearly had to get yes. out of the Eurozone? Then it was the migration crisis. Uh, then obviously it was Brexit that took up so much time, so much energy, so much political noise for so long. Then, of course, the invasion, the full-scale full invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Obviously not to forget 2014 as well. I mean, a lot of people would argue that that's when the proper war started, the Russia-Ukraine uh, war. Um, so yeah, it feels like they're firefighting and they're constantly in crisis mode and we're constantly reacting to that. Now, they have put a commissioner in charge of foresight, looking ahead, trying to 
predict what will happen in the future and get us ready because obviously the years are flying in and they're talking mm. about targets for 2030, 2040, 2050 when it comes to climate and stuff. But like, yeah, the crisis keep creeping up into the room, into the meeting and you can feel that sense of urgency. And also the fact that here in Europe, we're constantly kind of fighting and squabbling and there's so many different interests and cultural backgrounds and every country's so different that they're not always able to take those decisions and get it right. And mm. um, so it's it's frustrating. Because, I mean, the world is moving fast and, and other parts of the world are moving and taking decisions much faster. But it's good that we're a democracy still. Yeah, <laughs> still. That, that, I always say that. Now, I wouldn't trade what we have in terms of democracy for, for anything else. And, of course, you had COVID thrown into the middle of that as well that knocked everybody yeah. off kilter for a while. Exactly. Um, on, on the current two big issues, or three big issues, um, I'm, I'm sure Europe are looking to the States and we have the latest... Uh, uh, primaries today uh, for the Republican uh, Party happening and it looks like Trump will have a free run then with the nomination. Is there trepidation in Europe should he return? Of course, there absolutely is. And just back to that interview with Blinken, I remember I spoke to him just when he came back into office when the Democrats got back in and he was like, we're back, the Americans are back and relations will be back on track now with Brussels and with the rest of the European Union. But people are very nervous very worried if Trump comes back in again. There's been panel debates and policy discussions about this potentiality, uh, albeit speculation already taking place here in Brussels for the last couple of months, because people are very worried that if Trump gets in again, he'll be an emboldened Trump and he'll be, he know even more what he's doing and we'll really be left alone over here in Europe. We have nobody uh, to protect us because obviously, you know, we've been relying on the United States for so many decades when it comes, comes to defending us and when it comes to defence spending. So, I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to stand alone. I think it's it's definitely a real turning point here. We've also got the European elections as well coming up in June. There's already some grids that have come out, some polls about, you know, who could get seats here, there and everywhere. And it's clear that fringe parties will do well. People are not trusting the mainstream politicians anymore. They don't really have faith anymore in the traditional parties. So um, that would be one to watch. It's certainly something that we'll be reporting on in the next as well, couple of months coming up to those elections, how... Mm this could potentially impact everyone's life. Yeah, and of course, Trump will have a direct influence on Ukraine if he withdraws support there. And of course, he's a huge backer of Netanyahu in Israel. My God, I, I shudder to think, uh, even on those two issues alone, the ramifications uh, for the rest of us as well. But you've got to face them. It's the reality of the world, isn't it, Maeve? It is the reality of the world. And like, remember Boris Johnson, I saw him as well putting out yesterday, it would be great news, he said, if Donald Trump was back in there. And I know Nigel Farage, um, the well-known former British MEP who kind of rallied around Brexit for so many years, he's a big, big friend, a very close friend of Donald Trump and keeping him informed on everything going on here in Europe. I mean, these are the kind of people that, yeah, he's close to in Europe. And also Viktor Orban of Hungary. Viktor Orban has been kind of torpedoing the European Union for so many years, even though he's staying a member and saying he wants to remain a member. And... Um, He's a big fan of Donald Trump as well. So, look, very tricky. We'll have to keep an eye on and see what happens because, yeah, it could shake things up and ne- it could be could definitely happen. Yeah, never a dull moment for you. Talk about having so much going on concurrently. You know, when they you, you never have a slow news day, that's for sure. No, we do not. <laughs> and funny, when you, you brought up COVID, I can't believe I almost even had forgotten that COVID. Like, that dominated so much of our lives. But one to watch as well is artificial intelligence. That's yes. one big one for 2024, um, how that will impact us all, how that will radically change the way we live, the way we consume, the way we work, and also when it comes to health. 
that's a big topic as well. And the EU are trying to regulate that now at the moment. They have a proposal to make sure that, you know, companies can't do what they like because they can pretty much do what they like now in America, where a lot of people are already investing in AI for so long. But that's one where uh, we need to watch as well, make sure that regulators get on top of that mm. and make sure that companies as well can be playful with it and have fun with it and make sure it improves their lives. But getting it right as well here. Yeah, and should we even see that already in simple little social media posts? You wonder, is it fake or real? You know, and that's only a very simplistic, uh, you know, comparison for the ordinary man and woman like myself when you when you go in there. And of course, there are much, much bigger issues. You know something, it's great to touch base with you today on the show and have a chat with you. Somebody from Atlumni Navin and County Mead who's gone far and flying high at the heart of things in Brussels. Uh, you've three children, have you now as well? Too, and uh, that that takes time too. So two children. Two, yeah. two. Sean sorry, is, two. Two. Yeah. yeah. Sean is five and Tess is three. So three kids. Yeah, or two kids. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. A lovely stage, and it's so much fun. I'm very uh, lucky to have a fantastic husband who works half time, and um, and helps out and makes sure the dinners are out. You know, very modern yes. dad, very and it's funny good. role model for the kids because they're like, oh. And his dad as well is also retired. He's a former policeman. So they're really impressed that it's always the man putting the dinner out and the man collecting them from school. <laughs> While I bring in, I make the money, you know, that way. Um, but yeah, no, it's not easy. I mean, yes. it's not easy. There's sleepless nights. There's little people coming in in the middle of the night to like rip your eye patch off your face and wake you up. And then you still have to be on air the next day or do an interview or, you know, report on, as yeah. you know, very technical files because reporting on the EU is... <laughs> Is no mean feat. It's a tricky one. It's yes. complicated. It's dense. It's illegal. There's lots of legal stuff. There's articles. You have to read the treaties. You have to do your homework before you even attempt to report on something like the EU. But yet it's fascinating because it's constantly changing and there's so many stories and there's so much at stake. And and now we have a weekly show, actually, Brussels, My Love, which I think we have a lot of um, people watching in Ireland because I get a lot of um, emails and notes from people all over Ireland yes. watching our weekly show which we try and just bring people up to speed on what's been going on in Brussels. What the hell are these politicians talking about? Why should we care? I mean, you know, yeah. especially when Storm Isa has just taken your tree or you've your got... Your mummy's apple tree out of the garden and everything. I know, you know? besides, so like... I'm, I'm even dizzy here listening to you that busy. But they say, give a busy woman a task and she'll get it done. Listen, I'm going yeah. to leave it there for today. I will be speaking to you again, I'm sure. And if you're home, do give us a shout, please, Maeve. Continued success. All the best to you and your family. Thanks so much for taking our call today. Thank you so much. And I'll come in and visit you and we'll have a cream egg together sometime. We certainly will. Take care. Have a lovely afternoon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Maeve McMahon there from Navin in Brussels. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I thought we were number one. one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Yes, for a two on Tuesday, this Tuesday afternoon, I'm going back to 2001 and the album Britney. This single was released from that album in 2002 and made its way to number two in the UK charts. Also associated with the movie Crossroads. Yes, it's on the soundtrack. Here she is, Miss Britney Spears with our two on Tuesday. I'm not a
Britney Spears are two on Tuesday on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. So what prevented Britney making it to top spot? Well, when I tell you the song that did is a cover version of an absolute classic. This guy was runner up in the first series. Do you remember it? The ITV talent show called Pop Idol in 2002, forerunner to The X Factor. And I was just looking him up earlier on. As of, you know, the late uh, noughties of that, he'd sold 3.5 million records at that stage in the UK alone. But there's been little heard of him since. He had a speech impediment, but when he sang, it was absolutely beautiful. Not a sign of it at all, which is often the case. Anyway, the number one preventing Britney making it to top spot comes to us today from Mr. Garrett Gates. And it's Unchained Melody. Lonely rivers flow to the sea, to the sea, to the open eyes of the sea. Lonely riverside, wait for me, wait for me. I'll be coming home, wait for me. Yes, Garrett Gates. Shove it there, Louise, will you please? Thank you. (laughs) The Righteous Brothers, for me, the original is the greatest of all time. And many have covered it and it's a decent enough version. But anyway, Brittany or Garrett for you, Louise? Brittany. Brittany for me too. Mm. What was number three <laughs> in that week? <laughs> Just take curiosity. Do we know? I, geez, I looked at it this morning. I didn't. Awesome I can't there. remember it now, so I can't. But anyway, there you go. Anyway, we're both agreeing on Britney mm. this week for the I two and two. Last one wasn't great, was it? Yeah, should have been a, a number one. But there you have it. The die was cast and the, the dice rolled and that was it. We'll bring you another two on Tuesday next Tuesday. Coming up next on the show, did you know that this week is National Grief Awareness Week? And to talk about it, I'm joined shortly by Emma Walker. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. A Tuesday, that is a Tuesday in National Grief Awareness Week. It runs from uh, yesterday the 22nd until the 28th of January. And I'm very pleased to have my next guest with me today in studio, Emma Walker is a committee member with the Miscarriage Association of Ireland. Emma, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for dropping into us today. Um, Grief is something that comes all of our way in one fashion or another during lifetime. And it is something that people struggle to deal with, uh, you know, and need people need help. Some people need help. Other people don't deal with for years and years. You know what I'm talking about? Till they they seek that assistance. Mm. This particular week, National Grief Awareness Week, what's the what's the thrust behind it? What's the idea behind it? What what is to be achieved? Yeah, it's in its fourth year. Like it's the Irish Hospice Foundation that are running it. It's raising awareness, raising awareness of what it is to grieve um, and also to share. It's a social media campaign as well to share like there is help out there. But I think a lot of people maybe don't, you know, they may not reach for that. Now, you know, a lot of us, 
and you'll probably know so much of us have been through grief and loss and different bereavements that a lot of people do cope with their own internal support you know resilience and family or friends but that reach outside can be really can be really hard you know and I suppose we don't have kind of grief support services on our billboards <laughs> so you do have to dig a little bit but the resources are very much there you know so yes. it's really about raising awareness you know of that and grief awareness week obviously I'm here from the miscarriage association but that's about it's a national campaign around all bereavement you know and uh, they have a couple of free workshops uh, you know about living with loss grief in the workplace so it's all there um, you know on their on their website hospicefoundation.ie which and where we really support that It's the greatest loss in life the death of a loved one or someone mm. close to you or a baby or, or whatever or a baby you're expecting as well mm. it's a roller coaster isn't it now, now yeah. you can speak from experience yeah I think absolutely look grief is not linear it is a roller coaster you know you don't go from A to B to C like they said in the 70s you know you go through all these stages absolutely not like that and I think we're all aware of that um, and yet like I think um, I had my first miscarriage you know 12 years ago and then I had one 10 years ago and still hits me here Jerry. sometimes you know and we all have kind of you know triggers it could be a smell it could be a sound it could be a conversation a place an event and it'll be like you lost that person yesterday and I think we all feel that you know so many of us have been bereaved in many ways Um, I think with pregnancy loss look it is more hidden and I think it's hidden maybe for you know for a few reasons we have that kind of a you know we don't announce our pregnancy this first trimester rule that we kind of social rule that we kind of live by, you know, so you can often be living with grief and you kind of say in the one sentence, then, you know, um, um, you announce your pregnancy and I lost it. And that's really, really hard because there should be joy and excitement, you know, like that. And I think your innocence is often taken away. Um, you know, when you have your first miscarriage, your second one, you lose that lovely innocence that we should all have about, you know, kind of looking forward to this, you know, life and how they'll function as an adult, how they'll spend their time, where they'll travel. It's kind of really that perspective grieving. Often we're looking back if it's an older person, it's retrospective grieving, you know, and it's about the memories, but also a bit perspective about, you know, spending more time. But I think that hidden element is, you know, is really, really tough. So when I think back to mine, now, when I think of the memories, you know, I try to hold on to the positive things, you know, a kind smile, um, you know, from a from a nurse, um, you know, somebody, you know, holding your hand. You know, I remember the temperature of a nurse's hand. It was really cold, but yet she was really warm. And it's those things, I suppose, that hold me now in my grief. And it does hit me, you know, I I would have lost a baby at 13 weeks. So it was after my pregnancy announcement, you know. So I had done that, you know, that sharing that we do um, and then just had some spotting. And I thought, right, OK, this could be normal because often you do spot in pregnancy. Um, but no, it was referred to as a missed miscarriage, you know, and there's so many def- different types of miscarriage. They can go on from days to long periods of weeks, you know, ectopic pregnancies, molar pregnancies. We don't have time to go into them all but and just to say like the length of a pregnancy does not determine the intensity of grief you know so even like you know like a baby lost at you know five weeks a baby lost at 15 like my second miscarriage I lost at 21 weeks so you know it's so unique 
you know, your relationship that you've built up, you know, with this baby. And I think now the emotional connection often happens earlier because we have these lovely 4D scans we can get at seven or eight weeks. We share them. We can watch little videos, you know. So therein lies that love is there, you know, and where there's love, then there can, you know, be deep, very deep grief. Yeah. How do you, how do you afterwards, you know, you mentioned the... 12, 13 weeks, 20, 21 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to get going again. I don't mean to be. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. mean to be to say it like that. But you know what I mean? You, you're expected to get, you know, just pick up your life and go on. And then you have to meet people after you've told them and everything like that. Mm. How is that for, for you, for someone who's been through that? Yeah, it's um, it's very difficult. It can be a lot of minding when you are bereaved by pregnancy loss because you can be minding the people that you're talking to because they can feel really um, helpless and they can feel they don't know what to say, be it workplace or even close family or friends. We have so many, like a full generation of women and families that got, have gone ahead of us and it is not talked about in the, fam- in the family narrative. So then when you come along, you kind of want to share and then, you know... That can be met in different, you know, met in different ways. Um, so I think it is really hard. And I know like I was a fiend, like I was like a fiend to get pregnant again. And we see that in our support meetings with women. And then sometimes it's like it's that rush of I want to do, you know, you can feel so much guilt Um and you can want to move on and I suppose want to like I deserve this and we do deserve to try again. You know, we work with an awful lot of women and um, and couples and they will have gone through, you know, five or six and people will be saying, oh, you know, how do you keep going? Would you not just like your life is good? And they're like, no, I want to do this, you know, and they absolutely deserve, you know, it's a human right, you know, to do that. So I think all those feelings are there, but um I know I did take a step back because my mental health was suffering. I was able to see the wood for the tree. So I did leave and leave a little bit of time. Um, And it's really hard because what you have then is all this anticipation and anxiety in a next pregnancy, you know, and often there's some time in between um, and you can be minding in that as well, a partner. And and you need you really. So what I would say is you like who lean into the good, whoever is good to you. It could even be a colleague that it's amazing in a workplace. Somebody might say it could be a man or a woman. Actually, you know, my wife lost a baby. I've had that. So you lean into what, you know, the supports that help you for some people that might be like support services like us um, for others it could be a friend over a coffee or whatever but um, it's not like it's not it's not easy but um, yeah like I did move on and and I think the celebration celebration of the life whatever time amount you had for the baby be it you know plant like mementos are really important like I planted a tree it's like a, a laurel tree um, and planted that after my first miscarriage so myself and my husband did that together because we don't have the social rituals of, you know, burials and funerals and Hallmark do not sell early pregnancy loss cards, you know. So you kind of, you have to kind of make up a little bit, but you can lean on us. We, we share them on miscarriage.ie about what you can do to remember and honour this yes. loss about this, you know, really important prospective person that you have in your life, you know. Um, and there's there's lots of things that you can do. We have memorial stones. We just have one in Dundalk now. That's a place that a person that has lost a baby can go and sit. 
you know, because you don't maybe not have a graveyard or you can't go up to a crema, you know, you don't have ashes. Maybe yes. now I was able to have um, my baby girl is buried in a graveyard. So I go up and we bought our own plot there. So, you know, I can do that. But like an awful lot of time in early loss, you know, I have my plant and that's like so important. It's as important, you know, that plant. I transplanted it. I was like, oh my, because I have green fingers. <laughs> but they're really important. I think that's lovely. Yeah. Whatever ritual lovely. you yes. can have that me, if it's meaningful to you, not tokenistic, go for something that, you know, your beloved maybe is into as well and just have that sharing and celebrate it and tell people about it because often people, they don't know. Do you know? Emma Walker from the Miscarriage Association of Ireland is with me on the show today. It is National Grief Awareness Week. Thank you for the messages. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. A listener says, what an amazing woman you have with you on the show today, Jerry. speaking about miscarriage. This topic was brushed under the carpet for far too long and unfortunately too many women were left mourning in silence. Mm. Silence. Thank you very much for that lovely message today. Mm. I'm not surprised they're impressed by you. I want you to come back to the point we were just going to take up before we broke there. I was with a good friend of mine one day and she told me she was pregnant and delighted after quite a number of years. And I, I would see her from time to time and I went back about five, six weeks later and I just inquired as to how she was doing. And she told me she lost the baby. Well, Emma, I'm not joking you. I wish the ground had opened up and swallowed me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. What about that scenario of somebody, you know? Yeah, and look, um, I don't know when she, you know, announced her pregnancy, but it happens so often. And like we're saying, it can happen in a supermarket. It can happen like because pregnancy is such a normal thing, mm. <laughs> you know, that we make babies. Um and it comes up time and time again about this sense of we would have people ring in family members or friends of people that have lost a baby to pre- in pregnancy. And they would say, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? Do I leave? Do I leave them? Do I not? Um, so much so that we've actually devised a list of helpful things to say, unhelpful things to say, helpful things to say, or as you can probably imagine, I'm here. Um, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. If you know somebody well, try and read their body language. Sometimes when you're grieving, you might not be up for a hug. Ask, you know, I feel as if I want to give you a hug, but I don't know if that's okay now. You know, um, because sometimes when you're very emotionally vulnerable, and this happens maybe even if people have a surgery, if they're a cancer survivor, stroke survivor, they can nearly feel like they're holding themselves together when you're walking around. I remember feeling like that. And if somebody had a went to hug me, I would have probably would have belted them. Up. No, I wouldn't have done that, but I might I might have felt like it. So there's something there about taking someone's lead. So if they say something like I ha- like I lost a baby or I had a miscarriage, use that terminology back because um, some people might say fetus if they're more scientifically inclined. So try and take a lead or whatever from that. But, um, you know, there are some maybe unhelpful things, you know, um, you're young. You can go again. You know, he's with God now. The angels will look after him. Um, You don't know that person's journey. Like you, like me, any of us grieving, it's such a unique journey. So to stay in that kind of safe place, but to let them know you were physically present. And often it is that, Jerry. You don't have to say a lot. But your demeanour, I'm sure, like you described your friend there, your demeanour was probably enough. She would have seen, you know, compassion. 
you know, from her friend. And often that is enough. So try and stay. If you are feeling helpless, it's OK to say that too. you know, stay close to your true self and say, Fuck, I, you know, I don't know what yeah. to say here. I just I just yeah. give her a hug and. Yeah, yeah. Just said I'm sorry, you know. I, that's I, I it. Just, I'm sorry, and that's often that you know that's enough. That I felt so bad, honestly, for for a time afterwards. But look, mm. it, it is. It was what what it was. You know those feelings. You know the the roller coaster we mentioned about the anger, rage, guilt, sadness, loneliness. It's an absolute mix of all that. Did, is that? Yeah. Was that you? Um. Yeah, I think it was. You know, I was I was mad at the um say like the system kind of thing you know about uh, oh if I had I had a book and scan earlier I wouldn't have announced the pregnancy and you know this type of thing would I have been found felt huge guilt because I thought this little baby you know um, had been lost in my body and I didn't know and I thought what kind of mammy am I going to be I didn't even know that baby like in a missed miscarriage probably stopped growing at five or six weeks and here I was at 13 weeks going round la da telling everybody I was pregnant and that and that baby was not there. So I felt I felt so, so guilty, really. Um, and I did feel a lot of rage. And, um, you know, even say when you're getting scanned and like often this is about kind of um, uh, environment in a hospital that there's loads of daddies coming in with the empty car seat and you have to pass them to go to the scan room. Mm. Um, you know, stuff like that. And you're just like, really? Yeah. You know, so do you know what, though? But like, I think as long as you're, you know, you t- I think it's so important to connect. It's so important, you know, to connect and talk about that. They, you know, they say that, you know, in in your grief, if you feel that need, you know, do connect with people, choose, choose the people to lean into, choose and connect and communicate the way you want people to communicate back. Those three C's in bereavement are really important. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, there is no linear aspect to this. It's all different for everybody and it takes as long as it takes and to cope with it in what way, you know, yeah. you can yourself or you feel best to talk and mm. confide, be silent at times. Mix of it all. All of that, because I think you often bounce between kind of, um, you know, restoring your life and kind of adjusting to adjusting to your life in this kind of newness, you know. Um, and then the last things that you do when we talk about that kind of like loss coping and restoration coping, that loss are things, you know, that you would imagine that you have a lot of thinking about the event that happened, the, mm. like for anybody now grieving, you know. But if we get stuck in that and kind of preoccupied and you find yourself kind of walking you nearly walk onto the road that you know to be aware that you're there is really important so you mind yourself you know mm. and then those kind of restorative things we do are well how am I going to say memorialise my loss you know will I have a little stone will I go like I know I would go into on the you know the 27th of December and the 19th of December I'm in the sea you know they're my loss anniversaries so I go into the sea you know and talk to my babies then and that's really important for me but that's right you know and so they're restorative things they're like what can I do you know they would call it like if you've been instrumental in your grief and you're like okay well I'll, I'll do this but it, you know if you're maybe a bit too instrumental about firing yourself into work on projects or whatever we don't have the allowance for allowing what's there already and that's the grief so it's this balance between the two what about work and employment and you know most women today an awful lot of women should I say have jobs as well as you know families and homes to run yeah. and you have to go back to work. Are the supports 
there or is there still a problem there? Yes. I mean, it was in the Drada Independent this week um, around this uh, Labour's bill of 2021, the Reproductive Leave Bill, and that will legislate for miscarriage leave in this country. And, you know, businesses have actually gone ahead. Little AIB Bank of Ireland have actually gone ahead and they've granted that. So that is at stage two. We need it into stage three in the doll. And only now we know that there's going to be a further delay. You know, there's been no money kind of from the government purse to, um, you know, for that to happen this year. And I mean, we're, we advocate for that. You know, Lidl worked really well with us as an association around around that. The government, they have, have done research around the impact of that in the workplace. Obviously, it will cost money for like their big businesses that I've mentioned that I can afford to do that. But you know what? It will so validate um, and honour the loss. It'll make it, when you talk of helplessness, Jerry, it'll make all of us be able to kind of talk about this more because if for the government from top down have that it's kind of yes oh that's legislated for it kind of normalises here we are with bereavement the common three days compassionate leave miscarriage is a bereavement you know pregnancy loss is a bereavement you know so that'll account for up to 20 days leave um, in that legislation and 10 days for for leave for fertility treatment yes so we are right behind that and, um, and you know, was in the paper like this week, you know. Mm, um, which is good to hear. And that is a yeah. positive move forward. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. I don't yeah. mean to be negative. There is yeah. strides. But just yes. when you see other countries and everything, you're like, come on, you know, we need we need it. You know, you've had me in the palm of your hands for the last while here in the show, may I say. It's been wonderful to listen to you this afternoon. Um, two things. Um uh, the Miscarriage Association of Ireland. There's a lot of information on your website. Yeah, miscarriage.ie. All our support services are there. Are there if you're affected by anything we've been talking about. And the Irish Hospice have a Mm. wonderful video on their website for Mm. grief and dealing with grief in general. That's on the Irish Hospice website. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's their lovely three little minute video. It's terrific. I watched it myself this morning. I recommend it to you if you're grieving or going through grief. For today, thank you so much for dropping in and to remind people again, it is National Grief Awareness Week this very week until the 28th of January. But for the time being, thank you so much, Emma Walker, for joining me on Late Lunch today. Lovely. Thanks for having me. great to have you with us on the show. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you so much for your comments to the show. Christine was on to say, Jerry, you do realise that grief is the price we pay for love. It certainly is. Thanks, Christine, for getting in touch with us. That in the context my conversation before three there with the wonderful Emma Walker on National Grief Awareness Week about the grief associated primarily with miscarriages. Emma speaking indeed from experience. John Mead from The Grove was on to us. Sorry, I just missed you there, John, earlier on. He wanted to wish uh, Maeve McMahon, we were talking to um, uh, previously in the show, around two o'clock today, wanted to wish Maeve all the very best and success in a wonderful career in Brussels. Lovely to hear from you this afternoon, John. And I'd like to remind you about something coming up on the 27th of January. You remember young Charlie O'Connor, the darts player, he's only 14, was with us on the show recently. Well, he's involved in a big exhibition darts match and he's taking on the world-ranked number 16 player, Chris Doby, he's a hell of a player, in Farley's Bar in Kells. It's free in. That's on the 27th of January and all funds are for the Tommy Riley Rehabilitation Fund. Uh, There'll be donations and a raffle on the night. But you can watch young Charlie take it on. Chris Doby, the number 16 in the world. Charlie winning his card for the junior PDC 
tour, of course, in the UK and looking forward to that. So that's coming up in Farley's Bar, Kells, 8 o'clock on the 27th. Everybody welcome there. Now, let's do this on Late Lunch. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. My Artist of the Week this week on Late Lunch is none other than the wonderful Barry Manilow. Now, picking up the story from yesterday, Manilow released his second album called, very inventive, wasn't it? Barry Manilow 2 in 1974. And the lead single from that album was Mandy. It uh, was a huge hit on both sides of the Atlantic, in the USA and the UK. It made number one. And it was the start, that album and the single was the start of a string of hit singles from Barry Manilow and albums too. But did you know that he was a brilliant songwriter, of course, in his own right, uh, but many of his hits actually were written by others. Yes, they were. The 70s was Manilow's halcyon decade for sure. And number ones flowed and a raft of top 10 hits as well with singles and the albums peaked on the charts as well. He released six studio albums, a live album and a compilation album during that decade. He was in demand everywhere. As a live performer, TV couldn't get enough of him with the specials. He was one of the biggest stars for sure of the 70s. So with all that in mind, there's only one song today, isn't there? Yes, let's play it. The big number one from that Barry Manilow 2 album. It's Mandy. I see a memory my artist of the week Mr Barry Manilow and Mandy on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon and dare has been on to say it's our favourite song of all time delighted and delighted I'm playing it for you this afternoon yeah huge number one in the UK and USA from Mr Manilow more about him in words and song tomorrow round about this time on late lunch up next we're going to hear another hairy moment story yes it's January hairy on late lunch I'll remind you again, I have a thousand euro. Louise is a thousand euro burn in our pocket in there in the studio. She wants to give it away to one of you. We're going to give it away next Wednesday on the show. So Wednesday is the last day of the month. So if you have a hairy story, it's getting tight to get on the air with me. But if you tell it, you're in the mix for the thousand euro cash. One winner to be selected by an elite jury in LMFM before next Wednesday. Anyway, if you have a story, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, get in touch with us or give us a call here to the station. Coming up with her January moment, it's Joanne Brown. January Don't be shy, tell your story to me A hairy moment for you There's a grand if you do Oh, yes, it's time to hear from another listener to Late Lunch. They're going to tell me their January story. A thousand euros to give away. And standing by to talk to me today is Miss Joanne Brown. Hello, Joanne. 
Hi, how are you? I'm really good. We're delighted you're joining us on the show today. Okay, as Graham Norton would say on TV, away you go. It's around holidays, is it? Yes. It's around holidays. So many years ago, when I was far younger than I am now, I was on my way back from Tunisia. Right. And I would have been nervous travelling anyway. I still am. And I have that kind of face that... I look guilty. Even when I'm as innocent as can be, I just look guilty. <laughs> so you go through security and all the rest. And then you're in this room. Do you know when you literally wait to get on the flight? Now, where were you? Were you uh, is this at the Tunisian side, in Tunisia? On the Tunisian side, coming home. OK, great. In the Tunisian airport, right? Go on. Yeah. Gone through security and all of the rest with the nerves of security. Like, are they going to arrest me? Even though I've got nothing to be arrested for. <laughs> But anyway, we get through and we're in this room literally waiting to get on the plane to come home. And there's like army guard policemen. I don't know what they were, but all around the outside of the room with big, huge guns. Obviously, just the way they did it, it was just their security, what they did. Anyway, I'm terrified of this, like looking at the guns going, oh my God, are they real? Oh my God. (laughs) So I'm sitting on the floor because fairly packed and it was a little room sitting on the floor and I decided I'd bought in the airport, you know those boxes you get with um, Turkish Delight in them? Yes! Covered in like the little ice and sugar so they don't stick together? Yeah! Yeah, so I bought a box of that and I was a little bit impatient I wasn't going to wait till I get home, I was going to eat it now. So sitting on the floor, surrounded by my stuff and I go to open this box and of course it doesn't open. So I get a little bit rough with it and I pull it hard and it opens and the next thing I'm showered in this white icing sugar. The powder all over the place. Just looks like a shower of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't look like icing sugar. Covered me from top to bottom. So my boyfriend at the time was walking over to me. He got me water from the plane and he's walking over to me. He just stood, looked at me, shook his head and walked as far away from me as he could. Oh, no! I'm literally sitting there in the middle of the floor, my mouth open, covered in the sugar, going, what am I going to do? And the next thing, I look up, and these army guard policemen, whoever they are, are kind of wandering over to me. And I was there going, no, no, why me? (laughs) Anyway, they came over, and I just looked at them. Couldn't even speak, just sat there looking at them. And they obviously knew what it was, yeah. or maybe they'd seen me or whatever. So they, they literally came over and they just stood in front of me looking so serious. And the next thing, they just handed me tissues, uh. hands, laughing and walked away from me. <laughs> so, you thought you were going to be arrested for smuggling cocaine? Yes, and not just arrested, arrested in Tunisia of all places. And never get home again. I, I know. This all went through my head when I sit there. I literally could not move. I just, I can see me now just sitting there, mouth open. And the other passengers, you could see them slowly moving away from me. Yes. See you on our own. I tell you, I have to hand it to Joanne. You described it brilliantly. We can picture the scene. And just when you thought the guns and the army fellas and the security were about to arrest you, the whole thing changed in an instant with the handing of a tissue. They literally just 
woke the hat laughing and handed me tissues ah. and turned around and walked away. You can see them chatting about it, looking at me, and I'm like, oh, my God. I love it. What a hairy moment. Oh, I don't well, th- I don't think. I've th- never I don't- been able to eat Turkish delights since. <laughs> I get it. Every year I'm given a box for Christmas, and every year it's last when I'm trying to open it, but I just cannot eat it. Oh, I love Turkish delight <laughs> myself. I have to say, and I love that white stuff that's around it as well, but we can picture oh, the scene. Okay. Anyway, there you go. I don't think you have a guilty looking face. That's just you thinking that you have. There you are. Anyway, they didn't think so either. Listen, you're in the mix. You're in there for the thousand euro. You told it brilliantly. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I wish you luck. Thanks a million, Joanne. Take care. care. Bye-bye. Joanne Brown there. Turkish delight, not cocaine. Yes, have you a hairy moment to tell us about on late launch? A thousand euro, if you do, potentially, to one of you before the end of the month. Let us know. Get in touch. It's 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Give us a call at the station. Anyway, that's almost it on Late Lunch for this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Eddie Caffrey's on his way uh, with the drive here on LMFM Radio. And we are back with your midweek Late Lunch from Wednesday, on Wednesday, should I say, from half past one. Tuesday evening, not much on the telly this evening, isn't there? Anyway tomorrow I can't wait oh yes it's back the trainers for the final run Wednesday, Thursday, Friday I'm so excited already and it's way in the distance at the moment anyway enjoy your evening wherever you're doing and do come back and join us for Wednesday's late lunch from 1.30 but we're leaving you today in the company of the song and the man who has uh, been a slow burner but he is now top of the uh, UK singles charts has been for a couple of weeks I've been listening to this song from the middle of last year. It's terrific. I'm delighted it's top of the pops. It's Mr. Nogan and Stick Season. See you tomorrow. As you promised me that I was more than all the miles combined, you must have had yourself a change of heart like halfway through the drive because your voice trailed off exactly as you passed my exit sign. Kept on driving straight and left our future to the right Now I am stuck between my anger and the blame that I can't face Memories or something, even smoking weed is not replaced And I am terrified of weather Cause I see A lot can happen in three years Like a chatbot may be your new best friend But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.